0: Hey Denver, it's Ron. Guess where I am? I'm underneath the comforter in my garage. Yeah, it's not just another Saturday night for me. Here's what's going on. Free Speech TV cut funding for NFNradio.com and the gorgeous studio where we've recorded for the last nine months. So for now, we're back to our own ghetto microphones in whatever random refugee camp of a recording space we can find. And even though our guests this week were amazing, the sound quality just really sucks. So we're not gone. We still want to be the city's podcast. We have a killer live event coming uh, at Laugh Track Comedy Fest this Saturday, August 4th, uh, with seven great comedians and filmmakers. We have a few very promising leads for new space and sponsorships. But I have to tell you, uh, this studio crisis has caused quite the existential dilemma for me and my co-hosts. You know, Denver Diatribe's been around since 2010, and it still feels like we're getting off the ground. And we we even toyed around the idea with uh, around with the idea of begging for donations from you. But what we really need right now is just a little reassurance, a little encouragement. So, if you are a new listener or an old fan, and you like what we're doing, please reach out. Holler at us on Facebook or Twitter. Tell your friends to subscribe. Come see us at Laugh Track this Saturday. Just let us know this podcast means something to you and that it is worth continuing. It's all we really want. That said, if you're a lonely billionaire and you want to adopt a ragtag team of five alt journalists, we can work something out. All right, enough of my whimpering. Here's episode 88 with Mara Wiles and Chris Carpentier. Sorry about the sound. Enjoy the episode. Denver, Denver. I'm run Denver, Denver, Denver. I'm run Denver, 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 Denver. I'm run Denver, 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 Denver. I'm run Denver, 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 I'm run Denver, 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 Denver. I'm run Denver, 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 Denver. I'm run Denver, Denver,
1: Denver, Denver. Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most laugh-trackable city between Montreal and Mexicali. This week, comedy relief. On the heels of the tragedy in Aurora, Denver comedy and film lovers gear up for the Laugh Track Comedy Festival. I'm Vanessa. Joining me today are my co-host Josh. Hello, Josh.
2: How's it
3: going, Vanessa?
1: And local funny folk, Chris Charpentier.
3: Correct. What's
1: happening? Yes, right on the money. And Mara Wiles. Hello. Uh, Welcome to our refugee studio. Thank for you for having us. Uh, listeners, you might notice a little bit of a, a difference in our audio this week. That's because we are recording, once again, from Josh's uh, Capitol Hill apartment. Thanks for uh, hosting us, Josh. Yeah. Um,
2: Third World's never been nicer. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no small camp up yet. No.
2: The sweat's starting to pour because I had to turn the AC off for the... Mm.
1: But we get to have beers again, and we we're talking about maybe having a smoke break, we'll see if that actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're going to start off with uh, some newsy bits, everybody. Obviously the news this week has been dominated by the tragedy in Aurora, um, in which a dozen people were killed and dozens more were injured by a shooter who opened fire in a movie theater during a midnight viewing of The Dark Knight Rises. According to TMZ.com, the alleged murderer, James Holmes, had at least three online dating profiles on Match.com, Adult Friendfinder and OKCupid.com. Um, my question for you guys to start off with is, what, do we care about this stuff? Is this, I mean, does this serve a purpose, really? Like, what news do we need to know in, in light of, of these kinds of things?
4: Um, I just think people always are curious when things like this happen and want answers um on why and i think the root of it is who is this person that could do such a horrible thing so of course there's curiosity but i think sometimes we dig a little too deep in some ways but i think some of that stuff is insights to why he actually did it and tragic and the weirder it gets and the more we dig but the media can definitely stretch everything out of of, definitely at length where you're like when is it end
1: Yeah, Mary, you were a journalism major.
4: I was. I was a broadcast news major. I wanted to be the next Adele Arcola. (laughs) (laughs) And clearly I killed it. (laughs) I'm doing it. No, uh, I was. I was a broadcast news major. So it's always, and I have good friends who still work in it. And a part of the reason I kind of stepped away from it after college was I didn't like how the news focused so much on negative things. You know, uh, I mean, it's kind of the day-to-day as how you have to do it. But I was definitely a girl who wanted to go into, like, teacher stories, you know, like, this guy made a snowman today, but it wasn't his first snowman, so, (laughs) really hard-hitting stuff, so I think that's just my personality in general, I just, it's hard for me to hear all the horrible things, I'm like, where where are all the good stuff, and um, they definitely take the horrible and expand upon it as much as they possibly can. It's a fear machine, they tell us that in school too, so... (laughs) They teach Fear, Fear Machine 101. Fear Machine 101 and then uh, Final Cut Pro. <laughs> and
2: then you learn how to edit. Don't they teach makeup too, makeup and hair?
4: I had one class where I did, um, yeah, they brought a lady in from MAC. Sorry, this is a side, a tangent, but they brought like a MAC makeup artist in and they did um, a girl's face, just half of it, and a guy's face, half of it, and showed the difference between like being on camera ready and off camera ready. Right. And I hope you guys all know that we're all hideous without makeup, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Or me. laughs> Good thing we're on the radio.
1: Uh, Josh, what's your take? What, have, you been, have you been reading the news this week?
2: Yeah. Um, no. No. Nope. I well, it happened, and then I went to the woods for a weekend. So I I kind of like I was I was around for the Friday, and uh, like I told you, it's like it's kind of awful to say, but the only thing worse than the tragedy was Facebook's reaction. Oh yeah, for sure. Because it, it all becomes this sort of self-righteous um, and, and the thing that bothers me <clears throat> the most is, is the, the discussion about guns because I don't think that gun control could have solved it or giving everybody guns. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's actually the next topic, but before we go there, I want to give Chris a chance to oh, yeah, I, say something.
3: I think it's I think it's uh, unbelievable how m- how much people delve into this. I don't. All that you need to know is what happened, and that's it, as far as my opinion. You don't need to. What do you need to know? He was a disturbed person. He has very real psychological problems that probably stem from a lifetime of something that we're not going to know for a long time. And everybody wants to know immediately, but there's nothing to know. And then you get all this weird information. Who cares how many? I have a million friends who have three profiles on dating sites, and they're not going to kill anybody anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm positive of it. Yeah. Like it does, it's absolutely ridiculous. I actually just watched a video. Uh, it was a report on BBC, and they about mass murders, and this guy uh, interviewed a psychologist about like what. The public, or what the media should do, to keep this from happening again, because that's what it's all about. Like, what? How do we stop this from happening again? That's what everybody wants to ignore it. Is that what they said? He just he says like, don't lead the story with sirens, which is exactly what they do. Don't make the body count like the most important thing, which is exactly what they do. They talks about like just everything that they do. Is exactly what you're not supposed the- to do, well, and they, they put a space all over right. it. They, they like legitimize it and make it, it twenty-four ways. hour news, like the way that he said it should be done. Is you report it like any local story, you bury it and make it as most as boring as possible.
4: That right. way, there's no context. Right, too. it's
3: just a tragedy. There's no ex- there's no explanation for uh-huh. it. And then and then everything that happens afterward, I couldn't agree more. with The Facebook thing, I man, the first time that I saw one of the little, Batman. Like, yeah, it had the with the Batman yeah. on the bottom, or <clears throat> Batman, like, weeping with a Colorado flag for a cape. Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure that the fictional character, Batman, doesn't give so, a fuck about what just happened. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, oh, sorry. But I'm pretty positive that, because he's not real. Well, yeah. Like, I, I couldn't, that made me, like, furious in a way. I don't even know why, but it's yeah. like... Yeah. People,
2: people make it about themselves.
3: So it, yes. People
4: try... Uh, the, you put
3: a lot of yeah. effort and a lot of time and energy into things that it's like, why? What is this? How is this helping? Like the time that you put in making and designing that Batman logo, you could have done like yeah. anything else, and it would have been more productive. Literally, <laughs> any right?
4: They're getting up. Gone. They're producing an, a graphic.
3: That's just go and takes time. literally just go and hug like one of your friends and it would have been more productive than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't under like what it, it was just a waste of time and energy and all. And I don't understand Didn't, like the coping, I guess it was for coping. People, some people
4: need explanations and I think, we, but kind of like you're saying with the whole Facebook, I, growing up here, we've gone through Columbine, which is horrible. I went to the rival high school, uh, I'm not saying that there isn't sad things that happen and people need explanation for it. People like to tag on to tragedy a lot Mm -hmm. and make it about them. I think as a community, it's important to band together and want to help each other. But I also, I mean, I didn't know anyone in Aurora. I knew people who knew people who knew people in Columbine, but I also knew kids who had no connection to anything. And it was like they were there, you know? And there's a certain aspect where you have to be like, what part? Are you doing it for sympathy and for understanding, and what part are you doing it to have a cool Facebook post or a neat icon made with that, you know, like, yeah. where's it's, your line?
2: It's totally true, and, and, and you know, like, um, I, I'm from New Jersey, and there are people that were texting me, are you okay? And they're, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I've, never, yeah. I've been to Aurora to go to eat Korean basically and and then there's people that are then sending me sympathetic messages because of my geographic proximity mm-hmm. but I don't feel close to it at all you know i mean it's we're watching the same broadcasts we're getting the same information whether you live however many miles i live from the theater or you live in new jersey mm-hmm. you know and and i think that people latch on to that proximity in in order to give them a, to validate them making it about themselves like like and it's so much about like this community. This community is there
1: a right. fucking community? The community? You know, like really? really, really. What are you doing when, when there's not matching? Right. Are you helping someone on yeah. the street when
4: you see an elderly woman struggle with her groceries? I mean, those are or the comu- parts of the community
2: as well. Plus the community that that I think that it's um, the only aspect of, the, of of a community that I, that I think is important here is is that. Um, People with mental health issues mm-hmm. unlike physical health issues are not able to identify they need help mm-hmm. like it's not like you know I broke my arm out, I need help mm-hmm. or you know I've been having this stomach pain, I should go to the doctor you're so removed from it that you can't have an, an objective view of, of who, who you are and so the people that are in his community or or that he interacted with which Presumably, I mean, based on him going to school and stuff, it didn't very seem like he was isolated. Yeah, very intelligent group. Like, they good. had to have. I mean, a person that has, to have, that has the ability to do this, there had to have been certain things that gave off signs, and it's the responsibility of the people around them to say, you need help.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, this is interesting, Josh, because I think um, this is exactly what we're talking like, we're We should be talking about mental health. But right, we really should be. not talking about that story. No. But one of the things we are talking about, the go-to, is gun control. Right. So the relentless news cycle has also been trained on the response of politicos and their mostly lack of calls for gun control. Um, gun sales increased, as the media has told us they tend to do after these kinds of shootings, which I think is based on statistics that I've been cited over and over, so I'm, at this point I'm trusting them. Um, and the Associated Press, the story is the one that stood out to me the most. Wrote uh, a piece this week that quotes the executive director of the Rocky Mountain Gun Owners Association, or Rocky Mountain Gun Owners, sorry, as saying, If I only had 6,000 rounds for my AR 15s, I'd literally feel naked. Then he totaled up Holmes's firearms purchases and said, Two handguns, a shotgun, and a rifle. That's the average male in Colorado. So um, I, I was that really floored me. I'm from Colorado and I grew up uh, in a rural area around guns, lots of hunters um, and then getting you know as, as I got into middle school and, and, and high school uh, was also around guns in, in a kind of a game context uh, two very different things, but so, we're still talking about yeah. guns at the same time never came across a man who was that heavily armed, and so I'm just curious you guys, uh, Chris and Josh, what are you guys packing these
3: days? I am, I must be the average Colorado lady. <laughs> <Okay.
1: Yeah. laughs> I own
3: <have> no guns. <laughs> no guns. I do, I, I mean... Just a petticoat. No, coat. for safety and everything, I have a couple hand grenades at the house, of course. But No, I don't own anything. Why would you, why do you need any of that? I don't, hunt or I do anything, so I don't need any of that, so... I'm not the average colorant, I suppose. Like I said, I went
2: camping last weekend, and I couldn't find a pocket knife, um, but I found one, and it, and it was this knife that I found on the ground somewhere, and it was made by Smith Wesson. Hey, Ooh, so and Wesson, and it was a them. shitty, shitty knife. <laughs> so I have a Smith and Wesson, but it's a shitty pocket knife. Well, they're not
4: made
2: for that. That, that said, I, like I do, um, I mean, I have friends at Bird Hunt. I can see myself buying a shotgun to Bird Hunt, but... The, i mean it's it's i mean what do you that's an assault rifle is very different than a yeah. shotgun type. why would you ever Bird hunt? there there are guns that 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 like the that you would buy that aren't even like appropriate for hunting they're right. only appropriate for taking down people, people.
4: and some of the well, yeah there's guns. a difference between recreational guns for hunting and then having a full arsenal that could take
3: down anyone and if you're using it for protection
4: how many guns do you possibly need you're one person or maybe you're I don't know and it's not even
3: killing one person those guns aren't designed to kill one person they're designed to kill lots of people that's what they're like hey you can shoot why would you ever need to shoot like a hundred bullets in a minute on a
1: deer On anything,
3: right? Unless
2: you yeah. we were
1: like in the heat of battle, right. exactly, right. to increase your chances of killing so, it. Right. I think well,
2: you get into the whole discussion about a militia to overthrow a uh, a fascist regime, you know. Sure. But um, maybe, I mean, there might—that's what the the, the um, right to bear arms
3: is there for. Um, that's ex- yeah, that's but, exactly it. But nobody is in a militia. There's like two militias in Texas. No, there's in not. Texas right. Yeah. There's right. Well, like some in Montana.
4: They're all and they're
2: all okay. crazy. Right. right. You know. Come you hard. know what's really funny is within within. Okay. So local Colorado gun culture. Um. And this is my dad told me this, but he is usually reliable about new stuff. So I'm going to quoting my dad here. <laughs> um, he <laughs> yeah, the, this guy Hans like tried to join a a, a, a gun club at yeah, a shooting range. And he was turned down because they thought that he was a little off. Well, they I mean, that back. might be, like, if you're that, that mm-hmm. like, embedded into the gun culture, like, if you think this guy is off and you know he owns these weapons, like, red flag, but uh, what's the process for a red flag, yeah, right? If, if you're I not, mean, do you call the cops and say this guy came and he was, like... Not
1: unless
2: you're Muslim. Well, and also... Not right, right. To the
4: limit, too, because he had has been a collecting ammunition and rifles for the last year. Where do you get the money for it? That's my get question. The money? Where do you get the money for that and why is there not a, something on Amazon tracking his purchases? And I know we don't want nothing but other things like getting privacy and being tracked, but if someone's making these purchases online or wherever they're doing it, shouldn't there be a follow up? Shouldn't there be Yeah, there's lots Amazon? of people
3: that
2: there's lots of people that make those purchases on Amazon. I have been always told that if you um you if you go into a Home Depot and you buy a piece of pipe and yes for them to thread both ends that they have to call the FBI.
4: you can't even buy like uh, spray paint without an ID you know so that's right. so hard to get. And because get you huff self.
2: it because it's drugs. Well I
4: am huffing it but
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: I don't have an. any guns I, I don't know I I personally don't believe in I do. guns I'm very peace loving I just did the peace sign yeah. but uh I think guns serve a purpose in certain areas. I, I want the police to have them. I want armies to have them for war, but I don't need my neighbor packing it. And I understand people's concern and wanting to protect themselves and their family. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I think there needs to be better regulations in general. Someone should not be able to buy all that James Holmes bought ever. Like yeah. a civilian should not be able to have any sort of connection to you to get that stuff. You Are could you- see how to make a pipe bomb on YouTube
3: by a six year old. I will it's amazing. I will say this. That is six what, year what old. What really stinks about all of this is for the like very cool people who, who collect do? guns. Yeah. yeah right. And have like I have like thirty five guns and I'm a great person. They're all locked away and they're stored, but they're like they're what they collect and they're and nice and they have money, money and it's neat. That's what stinks because those people They're like, they don't get a say in it because they're assumed crazy. Why? Because why would you ever need all of that? So there has to be, I don't know how you regulate it. And in the
4: same way, there's people who are totally normal, wonderful Americans who carry a handgun on them at all times. Because that's how they believe. And yeah, I don't know if they're what they... Josh, you're, you're, you're sitting
2: over here. I just, I, you know, I think that the discussion, and, and I think it's appropriate to have this discussion right now, but I really do think this is not a gun issue. I think it's a mental health issue. How is society address mental health? And we should get back to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily now, but as as this conversation happens within our
1: community,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Because honestly, I don't think that uh, there's not going to be regulations on guns. It's not going to be gun yeah. control that's going to come out of this. Though, what there should be is maybe gun education because to have a concealed and carry permit in the state of Colorado, you don't even have to have ever fired a gun. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know how to use a gun. You don't know how to have to know how to load a gun. You don't know to have to know how to point a gun and shoot it to get a concealed carry permit. That is stupid. You know. But, I mean, it's, it's access to guns. We're kind of beyond that as a society. The guns are out there. It's, it's, yeah. it's like trying to criminalize you know, pot Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to be out there. We're the the largest exporter of guns to Mexico, to other, you know, yeah, countries. Program. Like, we can't. It's such a – it's so embedded into, into America that that's not going to happen. So. Well,
1: and, and we're not going to solve this uh, issue that's here, and, and we are still in Newsy Bits. And I, I just want to mention one more thing um, before we get out of the segment because um, – we do actually have an opportunity to make an impact on one thing that came out of this week, um, and that is that Caleb Medley, an aspiring comedian was, who was shot in Aurora, is still in a, at least as of today, as we're recording, a precarious condition in the hospital. His wife, uh, or girlfriend, had a child this week. That she gave birth to their son, so it was shortly after um, the shooting. And sadly, the family, like many of us, don't have health insurance. So, uh, one of the things that's uh, really been making its way around national media is calebmedley.com. People have um, the, uh, taken up a collection for the family to pay their bills. Some of the estimates I've seen are they're thinking, people are thinking this could be as much as $2 million for the family, which is really insane. Um, but I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity, since we're talking about comedy, comedians do is, I mean, I... I I don't expect, I know that Denver has a very large comedy community, but have you heard of Caleb before? I had never
4: met him personally. Um, I Maybe if, if I have, it was probably in passing or a night at Comedy Works, but his story definitely touched my heart. I mean, i that's the thing about all this. All, the What really comes down to it, there's a lot of people, really wonderful people who were in that theater that night that are suffering. And he was a young guy, just starting his family with his uh his wife, and the baby sounds like it's doing well. They said Baby Hugo, I think they named it. Yeah. Um, but just starting off, just doing what Chris and I are doing, too. Like, love comedy, just wanting trying to make it. And it's, it's amazing, because Denver does have a really great scene. Um, and the fact that uh, mm. people who just heard about it as comics, I mean, I they have the site, and uh, I went to donate, and it was at... The morning it started, it was already at five thousand dollars, and I went back later that afternoon. And it was at fifty thousand dollars, and people yeah. just reposting it. So that's the kind of things on Facebook where, yeah, like that's great. Do that. Like rally around a person that is a part of that and like a family
3: that you can help. Um,
4: but I didn't know. I don't. I don't know Caleb, but my, my thoughts and prayers are definitely with him and his family.
3: Yeah, I, I think the comedy community—it's amazing what they've done. Uh, comedy Works is putting a benefit, you right. benefit shows on for him. The improv is putting on benefit shows for them, and both of them, like Rob Schneider at Comedy Works, that's a huge that's name. That's a good yeah. And uh, is
4: it he a, real? Yeah, yeah,
3: thank you. Right? Okay. Uh, at the improv, they that's a lucky. huge. <laughs> yes, that's a huge name, <laughs> and and I know that me and uh, my friends are setting up a benefit show that's going to happen at the Oriental, and there's people just at the local open mics that have been taking money and just in buckets and helping out, and I mean it's. It's amazing. And the people that it's spread to on the internet, like if you, I mean, the names of people on Twitter and Facebook that are spreading this, like Sarah, Sarah Silverman, and, and I mean, it's gotten to the the hugest names in comedy, and it's a I don't know, it's really cool. It's really cool to see the comedy community take care of each yeah. other.
4: Sure. I, that's the cool thing about comics, too, is, um, they're like birds of a feather flock together, for sure, and it's everyone knows how much it, how much people put into wanting to be a comedian, and And if you meet someone right away, even if you don't know them in their comic, you already have connection. Because it's a weird thing that not a lot of people do. And um, it's been really nice. It's amazing to see.
0: Well,
1: we'll, let's get back to that uh, topic about the local comedy community, which we've been talking a lot about here. But we'll we'll kind of take it in a few different directions with you guys. But first, listeners, if you ever want to share a news story with us, rant about something we said, or just plain get in touch Please leave us a comment on denverdiatribe.com, like us on Facebook, or drop us a line at 720-282-YELL. That's Y-E-L-L. All right, so we're going to go into our first topic, which is, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit, I want to, I want to take this into, uh, into talking about comedy, moving from the tragedy. Um, comedy constrained, because there's always, gosh, who knows how often it comes up, Um, something is, it it just flares up. Some comedian says something, usually it's about race. Um, Right now, you know, who knows what kind of joke is going to set somebody off and say that was inappropriate or insensitive to the victims of Aurora, whether they do it to exploit the situation or because they really do feel um, offended. Uh, In either case, comedy is, uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll let you talk about it, but what, you know, when, when people start to, to have these kind of reactions, how do the two of you respond when they, when they try and put constraints on, on comedy? Mm,
3: that's a tough one. I don't, I don't think there really should be any. I think you should have personal restraint. If you can say whatever you feel like saying and you're okay with it, then that's fine with me. I mean, if you're inten- I mean, if you're intentionally trying to hurt someone, then that's terrible. Obviously you should not do that, nobody should ever do that. But if you can tell a joke about whatever it is, whatever sensitive topic, uh, and you can feel okay with it, then go for it. But also so you should I think that people should have some sort of personal restraint excuse me, some sort of personal restraint. Just because I mean there there is a thing it's too soon in my opinion. I mean we I did a show the next night at the Mayan movie theater. It was a midnight show next night in a movie theater. Yeah and the only thing the person who ran it said just don't do any jokes about that all right and it was like i mean i don't think anybody was going to anyway but it was like yeah probably a good idea not to there's just no reason for it so i, I don't know like there i don't i have a very strange opinion about this cuz i say go for it if you can if you feel comfortable doing it I can't yeah. personally make. There's a lot of jokes that I don't make because I don't feel comfortable making them. I, I think them and I'll laugh in my head maybe, but I'm not going to say it out loud to everybody. That's That's I mean, but I, I mean, uh, Anthony Jeselnik, who is hilarious, been hilarious and probably the nastiest, meanest comic, yeah. like, in his jokes, they're brutal, they're awful. He made a joke, I mean, that day on Twitter, and I laughed. I laughed out loud. It was funny. But I I couldn't do it. Right. So I don't. I, I there shouldn't be restraint. There should never be restraint because it's just like the freedom of speech. And sometimes is something that you may say may offend someone else, but it may give relief to somebody else who felt that tragedy, and they need to laugh about it for whatever reason. Because I mean, laughter really. really is the best medicine. So I don't know. That's how I feel.
4: Uh, I guess for me, it's really a matter of tastefulness. Um, that's just how I've always been about most topics. I I. I try to tell jokes that are true to me and that I think are funny and I I never want to pick on anyone besides my mother. So (laughs) like, I just don't like with, with that, uh, with the the, the shooting, I just don't see a lot of humor in it. Even if it was to try to make it a sensitive topic, uh, a little more approachable for people. That's just not a funny thing to me. Like it's just, even if you make a joke about it, it's still just not something I'm going to laugh at. Same goes for other sensitive subjects, but I think, like Chris said, there is there's definitely people who can pull it off. I don't know with this situation. I just think it's in bad taste, especially so soon after. It's like wait until at least the people have had time to grieve, or just a moment to a moment of silence and respect for people who just lost their lives. Uh, there's all sorts of things that set people off. You know, rape rape jokes are always a sticky subject.
1: Right. That's kind of religion. What, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I mean the, recently, at least in terms right. of national news, it was the you know uh, Daniel Tosh. And, and he, he was telling a rape joke and then made a comment to a heckler right. uh, that was, in my opinion, inappropriate. At the same time, if you're sitting in a comedy show, in in my opinion, uh, you are. It's not like you're flipping through channels and you're just looking at something. You're going to a comedy show, and when you're sitting in that in that seat, nothing is off limits. Mm-hmm. That's the way that I. Mm-hmm. You know, and if somebody does make a joke that you, is inappropriate <clears throat> to you, then. You have the right to get up and walk out, obviously. Uh nobody's holding you there. But this this topic comes up a lot. And so I I think it's just and not necessarily with you know, I I hadn't even seen any tweets or heard any jokes uh about the Aurora incident. Um, but with this Tosh thing uh so recently in the news, it it brought that to my mind because I started to think, well, will there ever be a time that somebody could make a joke about something like this. Were there Columbine jokes? I'm sure there were. I'm sure yeah. there are. Yeah. Still. Um, I mean you can see people, you know, satirizing these things in shows and, and all kinds of stuff. And and you do have a distance from it. Mm-hmm. Um but I've also, you know, people I think people have the tendency to talk about it in terms of, well, rape is off limits when truly it's like, well, but have you ever heard any of Sarah Silverman's rape jokes? And did you laugh at that? Them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um so I I don't know. I think it's an interesting yeah.
3: That's, I don't know, I, it's strange. When you first brought this up, for some reason, my brain immediately went to Facebook and Twitter. I don't know why, because that's just the fastest way that people make jokes. So as far as, like, too soon, I mean, it was like...
4: Right away. The news
3: came out and there was jokes, because all I follow is comedians. There was jokes all day the next day. Yeah. So that there's no such thing as too soon, definitely. But as far as in a comedy club, I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's Nothing is off-limits, and you can get up and leave and you can ask for your money back if you didn't like it, and they'll refund you money and give you tickets to another show. They'll recommend somebody that you might like more. But you are you can't... At somebody's art form, it's like watching a movie, you can't complain about what's on the movie. You paid to go and see the movie. You can get up and leave, but you can't yell at... Boo-boo-boo! You know this. Well, it is what it is. You yeah. There is no off-limits in a comedy club. And that's also one of the things that makes it so attractive. People, there are, I don't understand them, but there are people who go to a comedy club and sit right up front and want to be made fun of. They, heck, I don't know why you would do that, but there are people who do that. So, I mean, nothing is off limits. They want to get made fun of. They want to hear those raunchy jokes. They want to laugh at that stuff. That's part of a comedy club.
4: Yeah. Well, comedians do face something a little bit different than a lot of performers, though, where people feel they can just yell back at you or start talking in the middle of your set. Normally, people don't do that if you're a musician or an actor in the middle of a play. We have to deal with that all the time where people just think, hey, I'm going to start talking. So, I mean, and if it does, if, it, if it's a topic that spurns, uh someone to shout out in the middle of the crowd, I agree. I mean, I guess I'm just, with rape jokes, I just think it, it's a really fine line because... Then they had this article on, uh, I think it was like Jezebel.com, and she outlined like the right way to tell a rape joke. There's no right way to tell any joke. Some jokes are gonna offend people. Some jokes aren't. Like I've laughed at rape jokes in the past. Sarah Silverman has a great bit. Uh, John Mulaney has a really funny bit about uh, how he thinks it's hilarious that someone could even think he was a rapist because he's just like this skinny white kid. And it's a hilarious bit. But it's, I think there are definitely. There's just there's so much there's gray area in everything and you never know who you're gonna offend with any, job any joke that's like a touchy subject especially with something like rape or religion or I think race really the hot topic with
2: jokes though I don't know
4: Josh don't
1: know. And, and race maybe race yeah Josh do you have anything to say on this topic before I, we I do sign do. off
2: Yeah I do and, and you, you know I, I don't know how, how- I don't know how relevant this is, but I remember I was in fifth grade when the shuttle tragedy happened. Mm -hmm. And the next day at school, there were jokes. Now, where did those jokes start? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. The the thing is is that today, with Facebook and Twitter, you know where the jokes start. And and so there's someone out there that you can point the finger at. And and it's disseminated that way instead of Mm mouth-to-mouth or ear-to-ear
3: because I don't people <laughs> I
2: making to out is how out, to out the ear that's how I get all my good material and, make so, out the and then and then nine eleven happened and there was like much more communication and an assignment to whoever did it and there weren't as many jokes and I remember being disappointed that people weren't like at the bar just like whisper one person to another like are you okay if I tell you a 9-11 joke mm-hmm. right so I came up with one and told it around Fort Collins and I actually came back to me but um there's there's something about that that kind of ruins it. That that I mean I love watching comedians, but I also love my friends who are not necessarily funny. That can present just a um, a joke, and when it's when it's a, whether it's a race joke and my uncle's telling it, who's not a racist, but he's comfortable making fun of things. My dad. Doesn't you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the coworker at the water cooler. Like there seems that seems to be gone. Like I, I, I used to be able to expect that after a tragedy, it's like when are the jokes going to start? People are surfacing? very um, sensitive these days. I, I, yeah, right. but I think it's the way that it's. I think it's that, that it's the way I that it's harassed. Harassed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: yeah, I
2: hear those jokes well, all the time. Yeah,
4: I was doing a show uh, the other week. It was called. It's called the Great Debate, and they do it at the Bumport Theater. But they take two topics and you debate. Um, but it was 1984 versus 2001, and that was the year 9/11 happened. So. Two of the guys on the other team tried to do 9-11, that did not fly. The whole audience was not having any of it. I mean, some things, and it was, again, a little bit older crowd. No one was really offended. The jokes weren't really distasteful, but it was just something they really, were, no one was going to laugh at it. So if you're not getting laughs at it, then maybe that's the reason, too. People are just like, we don't think it's funny, so. Maybe.
2: I remember after uh, the first time that Saturday Night Live. Uh, did a live show after nine eleven. Oh,
4: yeah. And Giuliani. Yeah, yeah.
2: Came out and and it was Giuliani and uh, Lauren Mike Michaels yeah. right more. Yep. And they were talking about whether it's this exact topic, like when can we start laughing and when can we make jokes, you know, like when can we do this show and not feel I like know, it's yeah. and and he said when can we be funny and uh, and and Giuliani said we well, haven't yeah, been funny for thirty five years. Once. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, but that's, that goes back to what you're saying is sometimes it's who's making the joke, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's... We it's, need leaders. Yeah, yeah you right. need like... I mean, if like a victim came out of the hospital and had a press conference and cracked a joke... It would
3: be hilarious. It would be hilarious,
2: yep. right? But if someone not affected, then it seems insensitive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the mayor of the country at the time, uh, reintroducing humor, whatever I think of Giuliani. Besides, I thought that was a good tasteful move to, <laughs> to allow the country to laugh again. Yeah. you know because even John Stewart at the time was like I'm really having a hard time happen. being yeah. funny that's
1: you, true you know? yeah. well let's hope that we in our next segment uh, will lighten up the tone and, and get some laughing going on but we're going to take a little break right now and when we return we'll talk with Chris and Mara about their funny stuff and the Laugh Track Comedy mm-hmm. Festival uh, we'll be right back <laughs>
0: Uh, Josh, can you tell
2: us who that was? Yeah, of course. That was a track called City of Light by uh, Jeremy Flood, who many, many know as Patrick from the indie rock Denver indie rock band uh, Flashbulb Fires. He's like doing, he's, he says he's uh, writing songs on his laptops and writing lyrics while he's driving and just sort of releasing singles that way. That
1: sounds
2: really dangerous. Writing lyrics while you're driving. I don't know if he's physically <laughs> writing them down. Sure. I'm sure Siri is helping him.
4: <laughs> Siri doesn't help with anything. She's worthless. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Siri anger.
1: So, we have a, a few announcements this week. Uh, one is that Novo Coffee, uh, uh, the, the most wonderful coffee here in Denver, is celebrating its 10th anniversary party uh, <laughs> this Saturday, August. Well, next Saturday, this Saturday, depending on when you're listening. Saturday, August 4th from 4 to 10 p.m. at 3008 Larimer Street, Uh, they're going to have lots of great things um, for everybody who comes food, beer, wine, food is going to be coming from three different food trucks, coffee of course, and coffee demos, which we've done here on the Diatribe and and know how wonderful they are, so get there for those. Uh, Kids activities, barista competition, uh, live entertainment, and 100% of the proceeds go to benefit the laboratory to combat human trafficking and NOVO's Community Aid Project, in eastern El Salvador. And we have some other announcements this week, don't we, Ryan?
0: Hi, you didn't you didn't include me in your introductions and i like even julian that never said anything got i i'm the julian this week everybody we uh denver diatribe are giving away a full uh festival pass i will be announcing that it's just going out to our email subscribers so subscribe to the podcast by email and uh, you will be eligible to win also milehighonthecheap.com is going to be giving uh, an exclusive discount uh, for full festival passes, the normal price online is thirty bucks. If you go to milehighonthecheap.com and go through them and get the discount code, it's only twenty-five bucks. They're also giving away two free full festival passes, and Open Air thirteen forty. Our buddies over there, Alicia and Corey, are going to be doing a giveaway, also uh, of some free festival passes and I think they're going to be interviewing the Knicks brothers in a couple other comics next week. So lots of stuff going on for Laugh Track. Holy shit, it's amazing. And now I'm going to go be quiet again.
4: Uh,
1: well, thank you, Ron.
4: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being quiet.
1: Thank you for, being out. <laughs> thank you for both. Um, well, well, what the fuck? Well, we haven't even talked about Laugh Track yet, and we're talking about all these great giveaways, so I guess we need to talk about that a little bit, and, uh, and that's what our next segment is going to be about. Um, we have here with us... In Josh's apartment, uh, refugee studio, as I call it, <laughs> Mayor Wiles and Chris Sharpen I mm-hmm. always want to say Sharpentier.
3: That's what you're <laughs> supposed to say it.
1: <laughs> so both of you, uh, was it last year that yeah. you were lap track winners? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, can you can you give us some background on this on this fun festival here? What what, what is it? Sure.
4: Um. Well, I guess this is
1: what year? Is this
4: is the third year.
3: Yeah. They, uh, yes, it is. They uh, they started with the Festivus Film Festival, which still happens. It goes on all the time. They had uh, one particular night that they called Laugh Track, which was just devoted to comedy videos. And it was always their most popular night of the fest. By a long ways, they would sell out, and it was really cool and it was super fun. So then they were like, hey, we should just separate this and have a comedy festival Separate, and so this is their third year of doing it. And the Nix brothers, who you guys have interviewed already, right? Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, they're great. Yeah, they're the best. They uh, they were always they had like they would dominate that section every time in the Festivus. They would always have like three videos, and they were always the best. So the directors of Festivus were like, "Hey, why don't you just direct this festival?" And they do an awesome job. They're mm-hmm. amazing, and they're bringing in a lot of out of town comics this year. And uh, a lot of out of town films as well, because it's film and stand up comedy both. And uh, it's amazing. It's the first comedy, comedy festival, festival yeah. that's happening in Denver. That's uh, and it's good. It's it's fun. I liked it a lot.
4: Yeah, I, I had a blast sure. last year. Uh, I, I know it was just a neat testament of how things have progresses. I didn't. I wasn't involved the first year, but I know there was, it was really small. Maybe a bunch, a handful of local comics. Next the year after last year was. She's uh, I don't know, twenty thirty comics maybe performing, but half of that was out of town, which was really neat. And this
3: year, it was huge compared to yeah, forty forty comedians on it this year. Yeah. And then they also, I know that they had they had to
4: turn a lot away. Which
3: yeah, is... they had like double the submissions for both comedy and film, which is amazing. I it's amazing. The, we're to spread there. The next brothers are. Amazing. They're a machine.
4: They're, they're Just helping us out. Really. On the internet.
3: Whatever they do on the internet, they each have like 10 websites. It's amazing. I, they are everywhere. They're smart I don't know, and they're
4: talented. And I don't
3: know, know do what they, they do them or them. where they get the time to do all of that. They don't, and
4: they both have really good full time jobs. Right. And then they're pounding pavement doing their side projects. Like I mean, their side life. projects are running festivals.
3: Like I, I am
4: barely can time my shoes. They're super cool. Um, but Last Tracks is a blast. It happens um, this year it's Bug Theater up in the Highlands and also Oriental Theater. It's three nights. No. Thursday yeah. Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, I'm in it too. Thursday, Friday and Saturday. I think we're both in the late I'm in the late Saturday night block.
3: That's true. And I'm also emceeing uh Thursday night show.
4: And Chris is emceeing the Thursday night show. Uh, I won last year I won like the judges vote and Chris got audience's mm-hmm. vote, which I think someone was sleeping with half the audience. And it was me, and it didn't work. Yeah. But, uh... uh, Just a few judges. Just a few crucial judges. Um, But it's just exciting to see all this talent come to Denver, and when people come to Denver and they see the comedy scene, they go nuts for it. I don't know. I've only really experienced it here. I went to Austin once. That was fun, but... um, I guess we've got something special going here. Oh, yeah, big time.
1: Let's let's get back to the special and talk about uh, both of you. So, Mara, since you
4: since since you've gotten there, let's talk about when did you come to Denver? Um, I grew up in Littleton, Colorado. I'm home of when I moved to 10 from DC, but uh, I get made fun of for saying I'm from the East Coast. But I grew up in Littleton, and then I went to CU Boulder, and I moved to Denver when I right after college worked at PF Chang's for a year, honing my comic talents. I, I, I'd always wanted to do comedy. I've always loved it. I've always watched SNL growing up. I love sitcoms. I'm a huge sitcom fan. Uh, classic ones. Uh, cheers. And uh, I actually started. I was really depressed, working 40 hours a week at P.F. Chang's, just miserable, hating my life. That's what Chinese food will do to you. And uh, my aunt signed me up for. I've been doing research about it, but my aunt signed me up for uh, improv classes, acting classes at Impulse Theater, which is uh, it's in the basement of the Wincoop Brewery. It's been it's been a theater for 25 years here in Denver. Um, I took acting classes there, did the workshop, and at the end of the workshop, they're like, we kind of like you. Do you want to start performing with us and rehearsing with us? And uh, I said, yes, I would love to. Uh, I hate P.F. James. Uh, Well, it was like a side time thing, but by the end of the summer, I was performing with Impulse, so I started doing improv first, which really got me into it. And then about a year later, everyone in improv kind of encouraged me to start doing stand-up, because I think I just have more of a delivery for that anyway. And uh, I started writing, and then I went to the Squire Open Mic, and I saw that, and was exposed to this amazing stand-up comedy community here in Denver. There's so many crazy talented people, and that was four years ago when I got started. So,
1: and Chris, you, have, what's
3: I'm a, your story? I'm a Denver all the way. I was born here and uh, raised here. I lived in Broomfield. Like you grew up in Broomfield. Went to high school there, and so My life's, my life's been pretty weird. We can. I don't know if you want to talk about all that or just skip to the comedy. Yeah, do you no, want to do? Talk about everything. It. Yeah, he okay. is weirder. Overshare. Uh, okay. over-share. Uh, I uh, I dropped out of high school when I was 16. I then went into a drug rehab uh, that ended
0: up kind of being like a cult for five years, uh, and then
3: I got out of that and was in AA for a year, and then realized I'm not a drug addict or an alcoholic at all. It's really <laughs> a weird waste of six years. And uh, and then I had to relearn how to be human again and talk to normal people and make friends. uh, I'm crying really hard. And then then it wasn't too long after that that I started doing comedy. And the way that I did it actually was uh, a guy that I met in rehab. We started doing uh, improv together because he had been doing it for a long time. He's hysterical. And uh, we started doing improv together. I needed a lot of coaxing. He really talked me into doing improv. He was like, dude, you're really funny. You really need to do this, blah, blah, blah. So we finally started doing a thing together, and we, we, uh, we performed for the rehab, which was fun, though, because when we put everybody together, it was almost 300 people. This was a very Uh-oh. strange place. So, ah. yeah, so it was very bizarre, and that's how I first started doing it, was putting on shows for these weird rehab kids. And then we actually taught an improv class at a high school after that, which was really bizarre. I don't know how we left into <laughs> that. And uh, and I kind of just did that for a while, and then I actually took an improv class as well, as well at Impulse. And uh, I was not as uh, into improv as Mera. I had a hard time during that class. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. but. I don't know. There was a I couldn't handle being around people that weren't funny. It would destroy me you get a no lot work. of
4: that in those workshop classes. Yeah. Too. <laughs> and it was
3: I couldn't do it. Uh so I quit doing that. And my friend actually, that the same one who got me into improv had been doing stand up for a long time and was uh, a regular at Comedy Works. So he just started signing me up for Comedy Works open mic night, which you have to sign up for like eight weeks for before, before you get on. He signed me up for like six weeks and then he told me, he's like, hey, you just have to sign up for like two weeks and just write two minutes worth <laughs> of jokes, dude. And I had already been helping him write jokes for a while, so I was like, well, boo, right? And I tried and I did it once and was like, oh my God, I do this forever. So I've been doing it for six years and I'm a part of a group called Fine Gentlemen's Club. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks, man. It's me and Sam Talent and Nathan Lund and Bobby Crane. And we run a show called Too Much Fun every Wednesday. Above the deer, or in the deer pile, excuse me, which is above City of City on Thirteenth and Sherman. It's about ten thirty. Free dollar beers. It's crazy most of the time. Fun show. And we also—I'm going to plug my own thing. Is that okay? Yeah, please oh, do. Marvelous. Uh, we run a thing also called Too Much Fun civil yeah. which is going to be coming at the end of so, August. Uh, it's awesome. Another evil? Yes. yes. Ible.
1: Yeah. It's yes. a new evil. But
3: it's—we uh, <laughs> did it last year and. It was the most insane weekend of my life, and we're doing it again. And it's going to be bigger and better. We have uh, it's four days, so it's the last weekend, Thursday through Sunday, the twenty third through the twenty sixth, and we have uh, we'll have a comedy show Thursday night. Uh, and we're bringing in uh, Ron Funches to headline that show, and we have a ton of other local comedians or people who started in Denver have now moved out and coming back to Denver. So that's going to be excellent. Uh, and then we have a ton of bands for our Friday and Saturday night shows. Um I went
2: last year. Yes. And and uh it had been at that point like I don't know 6 or 8 months since I had, was following the Denver uh comedy scene. And it was the the cool thing about it is is that it's it's still very grassroots and, yeah. it, and it feels that but it's very well done. I mean it was quality across across the board. Oh, right. So yeah. it had it I has think. that nice like like thrown together feel sure. where it's it's not, you know, too uptight. Yeah, well, it's... But at the same time, man, it was... It's like, definitely all the not right? that.
3: It's not uptight. <laughs> yeah. right. hey, what's the opposite of uptight? Yeah, you know, if we don't really... Loose wound To the max. That's... <laughs> that, but that's what our... And that's... It's basically what our show, Too Much Fun, that we do, it's literally just four days of that. Exploding can, all over Yeah, just having as much fun as you can possibly have. Like, telling jokes and getting weird. Let's get wasted and have
2: yeah. fun, you know? We'll be there. You guys introduced and... the
3: idea of doing the... Uh,
2: the community tours of the museum, didn't you?
3: yeah, we did that. last year, yeah, that yeah. was super Those fun are. Yeah. Those we right. did that at the art Museum. that was incredible i couldn't when they they actually approached us and asked us to do it, and I almost shit my pants. I was mm-hmm. like are you kidding me? I like describe true. what we're talking about they uh, the Denver Art Museum asked uh the Fine gentlemen's Club to lead they do a, a thing there once a month called untitled it's a really fun night at the museum, which is hard to say. They actually do a good job it's pretty cool. Um, but they had us go and lead a tour of the museum. When we asked, we were like, They there like limits? And they are like, just don't uh, have opinions or try to state facts about the art. You are you don't know anything about art. You're comedians, so just be funny. And it was like, all right. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Best so, possible scenario, right?
3: So yeah, talk about uh, too soon or in bad taste. Literally the first <laughs> joke that we did on the tour was uh, there was a big, it was this really massive, it went up like three stories, weird design of, it looked like garbage, basically, like three stories, kind of neat looking, and the first joke that we made to everybody was like, oh look, this is called Katrina, so, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: I don't know, but most people laughed, and then we moved on to the next thing, so, you know, I mean, yeah, so, but that was excellent, that was, insane i've never done anything like that i thought that was one of the coolest things probably will be one of the coolest things i ever get to do
1: Mara, i just wanted to say you also have a true yeah I have, yeah i have a uh, sketch
4: group called Ladyface. it's uh, we do a show about once every other month it's me and four other girls and we usually bring in a guest uh, chris has been a guest on the show uh, it's usually a comic of some or someone with some sort of performance background it's about an hour and a half show. We write all of our own sketches. Um, our Melanie performs a xylophone music. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I love it. It's my favorite thing that I've ever done. Uh, if, if I could do it all the time, I would and quit my job. But <laughs> unfortunately, I can't. Um, not yet. Uh, but we do that show uh, once every other month at Bender's Tavern, uh, which is a great venue. You check that out. Uh, next show is September
1: 22nd. I just want to ask you both one Question. I don't know. I, I almost said quick question. I don't know if it will be, but um, to give people a little bit of a perspective on your particular um, comedy, your, your point of view, your style, whatever you want to. I don't want to assume uh, how you describe your comedy. So uh, it, it, let's start with you, Chris. how, how do you?
3: Um, it's kind of. A, how you, a- do you do? It's a tough question. I would, but the simplest way I would do it, I tell stories. I like telling stories and I keep it pretty light, pretty silly. I don't really tackle a lot of big topics. I don't have a message at all and I don't ever really want to because I don't, that's not comedy. You're taking it too seriously. Nothing should be, it should all be taken lightly. There's no serious topics. So I just don't even go about them. I don't, it's not comedy to me. Nothing can be serious, it so, should all just be a joke all the time. So, so I'll just try to be really silly the whole time basically.
1: And and Mare. Um
4: uh, my whole goal every time I'm performing, whether it's improv or sketch or um stand up, is just to I wanna be that person that's like everyone's favorite funny friend telling a story. And I, my style is kinda of similar to Chris. Like we're both a little more storytellers on stage. I've been trying to challenge myself by doing a little bit more punchier, shorter jokes, but um I get kind of physical. I do voices and Impersonation? Not in, I don't do impersonations, but I'll do voices that aren't good of anyone. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so I just make sounds. I basically just make sounds in the microphone. Um, but I, I uh, can you make it. a
1: sound for us? Oh, <laughs> Ooh. see, that's it.
4: That's my act.
3: The, the books. Um, winner, winner. That's why winner you
4: are Winner. Collapse two thousand eleven. Um Yeah, but. Like Chris said, like, some comics are very, like, good at, like, I'm going to blow your mind talking about all these things, and I'm not, like, my best joke is, like, about skinny jeans or PT Cruiser. Like, there's, but I have fun. I just like, I just like laughing, and I like making people laugh. It's my favorite thing to do. I've known Chris for maybe, like, two, three years now. It's just kind of what's been cool about being in Denver and doing comedy is I've started with these people. Who are making huge strides, like every year, and then they're moving up at comedy works. They're emceeing for people you admire, and it's it's just a it's a it's a it's a lot of work. And I think people they realize it's a lot of work, but I think with comedy, it's it takes years to so even get to like where, like Adam is getting a lot of attention now, and he's been pounding it for a long time, ten years, yeah, for yeah. almost ten years, and he's a young guy,
1: but. So, well, let's talk about Adam, and now seems the time to jump in with this. So, Adam uh a local comic, uh, obviously a local comedian, uh, was just this week named to, he's in Montreal right now, where the Just for Last, just for last Comedy time. Festival is going on. He's is, a new face there. Yeah, yep. Best new faces of comedy. Um, so this is, I would say, arguably the biggest comedy festival, most important. in the world. world stage. Yeah. It's yeah.
3: basically the only comedy fest that matters anymore. Honestly, it's the only one where if you go to it, something might happen, like, big time out of it. It's the only thing, it's the only, like, Johnny Carson thing left. Like, it used to be, back in the day, you make Johnny Carson, you're now famous Yeah. He's a stand-up comedian. If you can get to Montreal and make an impression there, some things may happen to you. It's not like a guarantee, but at least you'll get management, you'll get an agent, you'll get shows out of it. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a huge deal to get invited to that. And Ben Roy is also there. Yeah, he's who's there another for, amazing local. Yeah, he's doing yeah. the dirty one. Yeah, it's a, and it's his second year going. Yeah,
2: so that's I saw amazing. his dirty set. It's
4: He's been and he's been getting so great good. press. Every every article that's come out of Montreal, they're just saying, "Where's yeah. Ben? This Ben Roy is just really yeah. neat, Everyone loves him He's so. some.
2: He's something special. He's definitely. There's I mean, we can talk about Adam, but you know, we should also mention. There's a lot of other.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, both. Of, I, you know, we've got this whole through, and and, yep. and Andrew everybody, yeah, Andrew Overdahl, of course. everybody coming through with this. Adam was also named Esquire. Who's an Esquire? Followed right? this best new comedy. Um, yeah,
2: top t- twenty-five new copy, to watch. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: And I was Adam in the Highlights was a- magazine at my doctor's office.
2: Was it? I was a drawing. Yeah. It was
4: you not. No, <laughs> that, that, that was me. That was me in the tree. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, uh, so well, well, he said. Uh, so we've got Adam. I, I think it, this is again an insider thing. You know, you've got uh, you've got the Grolic sides. You've got everything. And now this could be. What does this mean for Denver? Is one question. The second question is, is it necessarily positive? Is there could there be some negative repercussions that one person gets put or in the mo in, in this case? I mean, Esquire is really a big deal. That's more yeah, like Esquire. I think like to be named best new face of comedy by just for laughs is definitely like you said a huge mm-hmm. like, the biggest you can get or close to it. But, but it's also inside the comedy world. So right. Esquire, this magazine that mm-hmm. you know is more of a general audience, um <coughs> that some might say would be even a bigger deal. Um but does this put something on Denver that is not necessarily does it niche us? Does it do something to is it
3: it's all good, in my opinion. It's all good. The only—I yeah. don't think ha- there can be nothing bad that comes out of the press of great comedians coming out of Denver. Definitely. And if somebody then decides, like, "Well, maybe we should go see what's happening in Denver," then they'll be pleasantly surprised. I don't think that there's—I don't think there can be anything bad that comes out of it, other than these people leaving because they get big right, press. Right. Yeah,
4: and uh, which I think, might
3: have to happen. And that's yeah. just the way that the, the business goes of show business. It doesn't happen in Denver.
4: I think, like, I think it's just like I think it's a testament of like when you're around people who are good at what they do, it makes you want to work so much harder. And I think that's why there's this surge here right now. Like there's everybody's working really hard and writing new material all the time. I mean, the people that I respect most in the scene are always writing and always doing new stuff. Like whether it's the fine gens um, or relics, everything. I, like Chris said, there's really no negative thing. Everyone has to work as hard as they can to get noticed. It's not no one's going to give it to anybody, even if. Let's say five of my friends get famous. It doesn't matter because you still have to put the work in. You know, it would bring attention, and that'd be cool if people started coming to more shows and people. Just, I mean, but right now I've already noticed it's kind of happening. It's all on its own. Um, I mean, people the Greatlex sells out every every month, and people are starting too much fun. I remember when you guys first started; it was like in the shittiest bar. With like no heating, like we get smoke fans? inside. Like six people, me, one of them, and like mm-hmm. now it's, uh, it's. It's good to go to shows when you don't recognize your friends. You know, you're like, oh, yeah. these are new people. These are fans. I have fans, and that, that's when it becomes pretty humbling.
3: Like, well, what I'm doing is actually getting attention. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of the best feeling. You start to hang out with the people that are doing the same thing as you. So You start to hang out with the other good comedians, right. and you that becomes more and more and whatever, and it just becomes it's like a shared ego amongst Denver comedians of we're going to be very funny. Like,
4: yeah, and it's a it's, it's yeah. And
3: you expect like you expect it of the audience, like you are going to laugh. We're going to bring it to you. Get ready. Well,
4: when you say aggressive too, I think it's a real it's a big testament of the talent here. Never people aren't sitting around waiting for anything. Like everyone's mm-hmm. trying to put on. A new and different show than the other person, or do a podcast, or do something that's going to make them stand out. There's, you know, the Vine Street Debate Show once a month. There's, uh, there's too much fun. There's, there's my My Ladyface sketch show. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. so many different great shows.
2: Right. So, and I brought this point up with T.J. Miller. There's something special in, in. Colorado is right here hear that it's not—it's not competitive. It's not cutthroat, right? It's very, so you, it's very loving. So all of your different projects are all supporting each other, mm-hmm. and you're all like also being critics of each other, probably. Right. And that—and like maybe in a different in a different town, like LA or New York. Adam getting this achievement might be like, there might be, like, might be resentful, big time, big time. you know. But whereas here is it's like what a uh, rising tide that's, rises all boats, yeah. and so you, you recognize the pot. That's the
3: biggest point. thing. Uh, our group, the Fine Gentlemen's Club, went on a tour, and we've and I've done a, enough stuff on the road just on my own, going out and seeing places. There's no other comedy scene that's like. Yes. That and that's so what's special supportive. about. It. I've
4: had female the, comics where the towns tell me I've never had the women comics be so nice
3: to me people. It's not groups. a common sound or
2: yeah. as we would say with music, it's a common that you all care about what right. it's everybody's the, doing. The closest right.
3: is San Francisco that I've been to, yeah. where it's the same kind of there's groups of people who are really supporting each other, going to each other's show, trying to make something happen and build a scene. Which is all that this is, because there was no when I started doing comedy six years ago, there was Two open mics. Now there's. There was the 404 and the Squire and then Comedy Works. Now right. it's it. And now there's one, at least one every night, sometimes two. There's a ton of places you can New go. New places of And up. all of that started just as a community thing. We needed to build a comedy scene here. Mm-hmm. Also, we've. Yeah. From around the country, I've also heard we have a pretty good reputation for partying. Well, yeah, we yeah do. right. Yeah. And we also oh, awesome. have it's a lot
1: of young people
4: party. moving here. Tons of young people and I think that's a testament of like why the shows are doing so well is because there's this huge young population who just want to be entertained and want something to do on a Wednesday like New York or LA there's stuff to do every single night. And now in Denver there are too. Like um the Deer Pile where they do their show has been a great community space because they let us put shows on there and you know, do benefits and throw. You know, it's a great spot and a lot. It's getting a lot of use, but it's also drawing a really smart young audience yeah. to all of our shows. And that's the thing. I think we. Have, I think we're really lucky. I think we have a really smart young fan base. They come and they they listen and they like and they f- come to more shows. And that's as a comic is like the best compliment you can get is when you have someone come to a show, come tell you how much they get, like and come to the next show and then bring people.
1: Let's yeah. let's do some love and hate. And
2: go forth and do whatever we're going to do this evening. So, Josh, give us give us some some. I don't I don't have a love or a hate this week. I
1: have a meh. It's
2: just a meh. And and this is going to be entirely cynical, and I don't want to reference back to the Aurora tragedy. But you know, Christian Bale comes to town and visits people, and the whole excited internet blows up and calls him a national hero. Who cares? The guy got on a plane and came. You know, to, to visit some people in the hospital. Is That doing anything You're like? An what is the production? Are you boring. are such an asshole. Is it? I just I'm not that impressed. Really nice. I don't like Christian Bale either, so I'm. I wrong love with Christian Bale. I think yeah. Christian yeah. Bale's fine. I'm not saying an opinion <laughs> about him. I just don't think that it requires much to get on a plane and come.
4: Well, I like, think but I like, tra- don't. I don't. The, the, I don't think he tried it, to keep it pretty like low key. He wasn't yeah. like check me out.
2: Did he? I don't
4: know.
2: That's not what happened.
3: Well. I know. I it as said as it as as was going to be to cynical.
2: I said it was going to be cynical up front. It is. It's sort of cynical. I, I just. I see smack. Discussion. I see a smacking a of discussion. publicity.
4: Because a lot of you know. celebrities wouldn't do it, I think.
2: Really? I don't think so. I just think yeah, that, that, that we that require a lot learn. less of our celebrities. You know, like a lot of celebrities wouldn't do it because what? They're too busy with what? Like this just happened in a movie you're in. Yes, of course you do that. It should be. You should do that. It should be. I shouldn't. Don't think it should be. I don't. What do I think about Obama coming? Yeah. I think that it's, again, it's a gesture. And I, and these are just gestures. I mean, what is it actually going to do in, in an effective way? You know, it's gesture. Fine. I mean, gestures. We all do gestures. It's part of being civil, you know, um, polite people. But, they, I, but they I don't didn't think... They, have I, to. they didn't, I, have I didn't have to. Have to. I, guess they didn't ha- I guess they didn't have to. I, just, I guess my 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 real reaction is to... Facebook's again reaction to him coming—that mm-hmm. is, if he's some sort of national hero for showing up. But you know, I think it's—it's it's a meh. It's—it's. It's, I'm glad he came, but and I'm not hating on it. But I'm just mad. Like, okay, he came. Thanks. You're not a national hero. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Um. Uh.
4: Mera? So okay. Sorry. It's a love and a hate of something I love and something I hate about Denver. Wait. Uh, a love
1: or a hate or but or
4: about oh, about Denver. Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't prepare. Um, love. I will say I really love the creative scene here. As a performer, I think it's really great. Uh, one of my favorite things is the Bunport Theater. If you haven't gone, go see it. They are a group of like there's six of them. They write and produce their own plays. They're theater companies. They're 12th year in Denver, and I just think they're awesome. They're uh, located on 7th and La Pan. They have shows every month, and they're all original works. So I love that. I love and I love the fact that there's that happening here. More people should go see it. Besides comedy, there's also great plays and things to see. Hate. Hmm. What do I hate about this thing? You don't have any... to hate anything. I don't think I really hate anything right now.
1: Um, That's okay. It's a good time not to hate. Parking. I hate parking. Yeah.
4: And I hate uh, parking attendants, and I know it's just their job. <laughs> oh and they gave all the construction they're doing in my neighborhood like repaving gutters and stuff they did it during the ums like the busiest time ever in what's underground music festival and there was no parking at all why the, why why now why now
3: um, chris Yeah. my i'm gonna go ahead and say that i love that denver is so bike friendly i've been thinking about that a lot lately uh the denver cruisers on the wednesdays so which we should stop by our show when they get done but <laughs> That's a whole other thing. But I really do. I love that uh, Denver is so bike friendly. I'm going to go ahead and say that I hate how poorly the Rockies are doing. Mm. They suck right now.
0: It's <laughs>
1: Brian, you look like you want to have a love or a
0: hate. I, yeah, I have some. Uh, it some might just be the microphone. There. I am going to hate on our <laughs> lack of Julian. Because... <laughs> uh, because I, I would I would other nor, otherwise be really enjoying this and having a great time, but instead I have fucking headphones in and I'm staring stupid at a Julian. stupid mixer. No, no, not stupid Julian. Stupid lack of studio. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then I'm gonna love on our live event at Laugh Track because right? we haven't really talked about it. We've got uh, we're gonna be doing a live comedy debate uh, with filmmakers and stand up comics. We got. Adam, Caton Holland and oh. Mo Welch and Kevin O'Brien and Charlie Nadler all coming on as comedians are going to be debating Twitter versus podcast oh, uh, nice. for comics. And then we have filmmakers Aaron Rudelson. I'm probably saying his name wrong. Wally Wallace and Sid Pink. Yes, those are, those are real people. <laughs> Oh, you know who Sid Pink is. If you've been in Denver for a while, he's, he's an interesting character. And they're going to be debating YouTube versus film festivals. And then at the very end, we're going to make the filmmakers and the comedians you know, arm wrestle and do stand-up <laughs> comics versus comedy films. So that's my love. I think it's uh, a point of pride when Sid Pink knew who I was. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah we should.
3: That was it made me very excited.
0: Yeah. So that's a that's the only free thing going on at Laugh Track. Uh, we're at on Saturday at one p.m. at the Book Theater. So come you check it out.
3: Definitely go to that and all of everything.
1: It's a great event. Yeah, it's excellent. Check it out. Lots of information on our website. We will have. I'm going to give a quick love to Kingas actually because I went to the name of the show. That
3: that's it. It's just an open mic. Oh, and my, uh open my comedy every
1: Sunday night at 8 o'clock. And they run a well, great sorry. room as well. Yeah, and, and, and I, I'm really mostly loving the horseradish shots. Oh, horseradish and, the pickle shots. and the
0: pickle shots. And the pickle shots. shots.
1: They have delightful bartenders um, there. Those well, girls are great. The little The bartenders. So the, sweetest were the Polish The Polish girls, girls yes. Wow. And the, the, the gentleman, I believe it was, who bought our <laughs> table of 10 uh, shots for two people, three people, in his. Dog.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very, very much.
0: Loving on that guy.
1: Yeah. And that's all the love and hate we have for this week. If you'd like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720 282 YELL. That's 720 282 9355. Our theme music is by TJ Miller off his extended play EP. For more information on the diatribe, check out our website, denverdiatribe.com, or search for Denver Diatribe on Twitter or Facebook. I'm Vanessa on behalf of my co host Josh and co host producer Ron, as well as Mara Wild and Chris Charpentier.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Charpentier. Ms. Charpentier. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening.
3: Thank you. Have you heard the birds, not the words Denver? High average income, roll like spenders. affordable housing, good money lenders, low obesity, no need for suspenders. Check a calendar
0: there. on